0: The only thing worse than a root canal is looking for a job on the internet. Hello, everybody. This is Anthony Moore with Career Daily. I am here to put the human back in human resources. Let me be your competitive advantage on the job market. It is dog-eat-dog out there. Our research companies, new industries, I'll dig around. I'll figure out who some of the hiring leaders are. And I'll post all this information on our exclusive Facebook networking group. You'll also hear amazing interviews from professionals that I'm interviewing all across the country. Some are inspiring. Some are very informative. Some duds. I'll leave the duds out. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Career Daily. This is Anthony Moore, your host. We are joined by a vice president of Talent Metrics. He earned his doctorate in Industrial Organizational Psychology, with an emphasis in quantitative analysis from the University of Houston, and he earned his MBA from the University of St. Thomas. He's a member of the American Psychological Association and the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology. He's a regular contributor and has offered many presentations about the use of assessments throughout the employee life cycle with the Association for Talent Development, International Personnel Assessment Council, and the Society for Human Resource Management, which we commonly refer to as SHRM. He's also been a consultant. He's worked with domestic and multinational Fortune 500 organizations across the human capital management domain. Welcome to the program, Dr. Stephen Muller.
1: Yeah, so that's great, Tony. Thanks for the introduction and glad to spend some time with you today.
0: Hey, no problem. I, I'm really grateful that we had a chance to meet. You know, as you know, uh, assessments is a is a very important uh, part of uh, talent um, evaluation. And being that I'm in the talent evaluation business as a uh, headhunter, as an executive recruiter, this has always been part of either my process of evaluating people, or it's been part of my clients' process. And the more i 've gotten into this, the more i 've realized it is, it is such it 's a fascinating topic and With your expertise and your background, I thought this is just a great opportunity for us to get together and talk through the world of assessments. I thought what we would do is probably break this into a number of uh, segments because there is a lot of information to cover so you let know, let 's kind of go through like an overview of assessments, then we can also look at you know, what it's like to be the the candidate who has to go through the process. What's that experience for them? Um, of course, there's the validity and kind of legal issues around assessments, how to use what what you can and cannot do. And then like strategies that clients can use when they want to implement an assessment. So, you know, that's, Kind of a format that we can use today, but before we really jump into that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you personally? I mean, who who is Dr. Stephen Muller?
1: Yeah, absolutely happy to share some information. So I'm um, came interested in IO psychology quite a long time ago. I grew up in the Houston area, played played a lot of sports when I was younger, and I'm really interested in the idea of selection. How did certain people? Excel in some roles? Uh, why do people get hired for certain roles? And just, you know, what's the what's the science behind that? I um, had a good opportunity to attend the graduate program down at the University of Houston and have stayed in Texas pretty much ever since. I uh, moved up to the Dallas area back in 07 for a startup company that focused on personnel selection. And have been in the North Dallas area for the better part of the last decade and just been here raising my family and enjoying the North Texas area. So
0: I guess you're still under quarantine like, like the rest of the world?
1: <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you may hear a bit of an echo in my little makeshift home office here. So, um, yeah, i um still under quarantine and working from home and trying to keep busy like everybody else.
0: Yeah, it's it's the, hopefully not the new normal. I know we're all looking forward to getting back to work. I know uh, here in Georgia, we're getting ready to lift or move into phase one of, you know, businesses reopening. So hopefully we can all kind of get back to work. But yeah, we're all kind of in our in our home office as well. Um, thank you for for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to this. Just help us understand the world of assessments. Now, let's just start with a, a general overview
1: yeah, so the, as you said in your introduction, I mean, the world of assessments is very, very large. There's been a profound amount of activity over the last 20 years. I've been in practice for about 20 years now. Had the, had the good fortune to start working, um, right away, right when I um, started working in, uh, when I was in graduate school, I had the opportunity to work with some faculty members on various consulting projects and the amount of change that I've seen in this industry particularly with assessments is just amazing. Uh, for example, to put a dollar figure on it, you know back when I got started in 2000, I think the human capital management space was around 2 billion dollars and recently I read an article it's sneaking up on 20 billion at this point. So, you know, 10x growth in just, you know, short, you know, 20-year period. And the reason for that is um, if you happen to keep up or some of your listeners happen to keep up with popular press, there's definitely a talent war. Um, HR has a more, has the opportunity to have a strategic seat at the table. People represent a sustainable competitive advantage. I believe it's one of the few sources of a sustainable competitive advantage. Short of having a patent or, you know, a very novel way of doing something people um, sometimes are looked at as a cost but if you can hire the right people and get them in the right seats it will represent a competitive advantage for your company and that's where the world of assessments has really come into play over the last you know 20 years in fact um, assessments have been used for over 100 years um, ironically the field of industrial organizational psychology has a, a long history with wars, um, so when there's drafts and trying to figure out who's going to be a good infantry person, who's going to be a good pilot, when you have a draft, you have to have some way to classify individuals, to say you have a propensity to do this job well or that job well, so the idea of assessments dates back well over a 100 years, um, so I didn't mean to do it a disservice and act like just the last 20 years assessments have become popular, But I think what has happened is that organizations are finally realizing that people represent a sustainable competitive advantage and they are heavily investing in mechanisms, assessments, learning and development that will allow them to realize that advantage.
0: You know, that's a great point. And you say that some organizations might think of people as a cost. Well, if you're hiring the wrong people. Then it is an absolute expense. it is a cost because the cost of a bad hire it can be at least thirty percent of a person 's compensation for that year for you know on a yearly basis so a hundred thousand dollar a year person is is a thirty thousand dollar you know cost of a bad hire so to your point, the right people it 's an investment and I love what you said about a sustainable competitive advantage i don 't think i 've heard of it kind of phrased that way, but i, I think it's it 's very appropriate so what are the types of assessments? I know personality tests are kind of common. I know that's one, but what are some of the other kind of assessments that companies might be using?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great, great question, Tony. So there's many, many types of assessments and assessments are a tool. Uh, so depending on the you know type of information you're trying to collect, you know, when I think about recommending assessments to clients, um, there's, I think of it as the big five, whenever you're thinking about assessments, an organization will need to consider validity, cost, legal issues, candidate experience and end user experience. So all of those come into play. So there is some complicated math and trying to make recommendations. But having said that, there are some, you know, very common assessments that are used out there. Um, Like you say, personality is very, very popular. Um, I I certainly don't want to advocate for a certain, you know, personality assessment, but there are, you know, the 16PF, the CPI, Personnel Research Form, um, OPQ. So there's many, many personality assessments out there that that are solid. They have the, they're valid. They have the scientific backing that they will tell you what you need to know. Um, In addition to personality, cognitive ability is also very popular. Uh, Watson Glazier, they have what we call critical thinking. Uh, Ravens is another popular one, Wonderlick that's actually used in the NFL.
0: Interesting, because today is the day of the NFL draft. It's just a huge, uh, huge industry, and they use the Wonderlick to score all the players. And so, like quarterbacks, they expect to have a certain Wonderlick score or, or offensive linemen a certain score. So I think people have probably heard of that one.
1: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And theoretically, or maybe not even theoretically, empirically, I, I would say, because there's data behind this. If, uh, if I know who somebody is from a cognitive ability perspective, I can predict their performance. In fact, that's the single best measure from a, a validation standpoint. Now, legally, you might have some challenges, but um, if I know who, some, if I know who somebody is from a cognitive perspective, um, I, I'm going to be able to predict their performance. Uh, much better than some of the other instruments and you know and the reason for that is if somebody's very intelligent they can adopt uh, excuse me adapt to novel situations more quickly they learn things quickly like the NFL offenses are very complicated that's why they want their offensive line and quarterback to have higher cognitive ability or what is sometimes referred to as g or a cognitive load. So that, that is, you know, in fact, you know, for background, maybe I digressed a bit, but that's, that's why the wonderlip is so popular with the NFL, because there's certainly a cognitive component to running an offense. And as you say, some of those skill positions uh, need to have, um, the NFL likes to evaluate those players on cognitive ability for that reason.
0: Personality, cognitive, are, are, are there other types of assessments that uh, companies might use?
1: Yeah, there. I mean, there are. I mean, there's, there's many, many. Another one that comes to mind is situational judgment. Um, so think of this as you put candidates, you know, you ask candidates how they would respond to different situations, uh, multiple choice types of assessments, work samples. Uh, and in some cases, if, a, if a, an organization wanted to do a really profound, elaborate evaluation, uh, you, you might use an assessment center, which would be a combination of everything I just described. Plus, perhaps, technical interviews, behavioral interviews, uh, perhaps a simulation. Um, I used to do some assessment center work where there was a proprietary simulation that this particular company had that all candidates would complete. So the I guess the parting shot would be is there's many, many types of assessments, and they vary on validity, legal issues, candidate experience, and organizations just need to pick the one that is going to best fit their needs.
0: Well, so I know we're still in the kind of overview of this process, but is there a, a way, or I mean, how would an, an organization even begin to, you know, understand which which assessment to use? Like, obviously, cognitive sounds like that'd be a much more expensive uh, assessment than just a, you know, than, ta- than taking a personality test. So there's a cost component, but you also have to figure out well, what are you trying to evaluate?
1: Yes, that's that's exactly it, and and that's where um, you know one of the reasons I I mentioned earlier that the industry has grown from about two billion up to twenty billion. One of the reasons for that is that there's a lot of people that have jumped into the industry. You've got your historically you know big box industrial organizational psychology companies. Um, I don't want to name drop. You do have third-party resellers out there that really don't necessarily have the science. They basically just take somebody else's product and push it to market. Uh, You've got software companies that are jumping in, trying to integrate assessments uh, throughout the employee lifecycle with other uh, human capital management initiatives. So, for example, a software company might try to develop or create an assessment or resell somebody else's and then integrate those results with learning and development and, you know, other aspects of the human capital management lifecycle. So when you ask me, you know, about what should a company be looking for, my bias would be, of course, uh, as I said, I'm, you know, industrial organizational psychologist. My bias would be to make sure you have a reputable consulting company that is giving you advice because they are going to be able to balance those five issues that i referenced before validity, cost, legal issues, candidate experience, and end user experience, they're going to be able to recommend a mix or a combination of assessments that is going to allow a company to meet their needs. Because if you're just you know, doing this on your own and trying to navigate, do I use a personality assessment or a cognitive ability? You know, Let's say you decide on personality. Well, which one should you use, right? How do you integrate that? So there's a lot of complexity on the deployment and the implementation that a reputable consulting company can help you with.
0: That's very helpful to understand how a company should go about trying to implement this, and I think we're going to talk about some client strategies in one of the other sessions. So, but someone might be thinking, you know, well, what are the the benefits of using an assessment? You know, maybe they've done hiring on their own, they've never used an assessment before, maybe they've gotten lucky, or they they think they do a really good job of assessing people you know we we talk to people when they interview and they say well you know i really trust my gut or you know i'm a i'm an expert in accounting so i can uh, attest if they are a good accountant so maybe there's some other you know benefits that that are present using an assessment versus just your own you know ability to evaluate someone
1: yeah, yeah, Tony, you're, you're absolutely right. I think the you know the primary benefits of assessments is that an assessment, a quality of valid assessment, which is to say an assessment that predicts performance, is going to give you unique information on a candidate that you otherwise wouldn't have had. I think most, most of your audience will be familiar with interviews. Um, that's clearly some way to understand who somebody is. You can evaluate, and do they play nice with others? What is their technical expertise? You can certainly find out information in an interview. But in assessment, um, to your point earlier, I think you provided the information that the cost of a bad hire is about 30%. Most often, I'm brought in, or the consulting company that I work for is brought in, brought in to actually help organizations identify who they should hire. And the reason for that is people that, You know, if you use assessments and you use them well, you're going to be able to predict your future top performers. And that's important because high performers tend to stay longer and they perform better. So typically my clients are wrestling with that. And maybe they've noticed high turnover in one role. Maybe they notice the ramp time is a little longer than it should be. And a lot of organizations and clients that I've worked with turn to IO psychologists to help them recommend a battery of assessments or help them design a selection process that will improve performance and or reduce turnover. Um, another benefit of assessments, and since I think, uh, think that's what you were asking, incorporating assessments allows for standardization, and basically every candidate is subjected to the same process, and by improving standardization, you improve the legal defensibility. So, all the candidates have a similar experience. the same data points are collected and discussed and reviewed, so it really provides a good opportunity for candidates to illustrate uh, to illustrate their fit to the role and make sure they're able to perform as an accountant as you said
0: right so this this idea of standardization is something that it would hold a strong argument, particularly if you believe you could have a Uh, a legal issue, or you, maybe you've got an organization that HR is very strong or kind of a powerful uh, partner at the table when it comes to hiring. So an assessment would give this standardization that would allow you to kind of prove that you're using the same process for everyone versus, you know, people have biases. It's not, I mean, it's just normal. We all have our opinions about things. So this, I think what you're saying kind of helps you know eliminate some of those things
1: yeah you're you're absolutely right, and oftentimes assessments and in, in particular personality assessments so let's say Tony were to complete a personality assessment, one of the uh, outcomes of that are interview questions that allow the company to explore any sort of weaknesses for lack of a better word that Tony has. Um, I referenced end user experience as part of my big five, and that's what I'm talking about. Um, End-user experience covers the types of reports that are written on candidates. So the hiring manager and or the recruiter can learn about the candidate. But oftentimes there there are behavioral interview questions that are launched as part of the personality results. So that will allow the organization in a very job-relevant way to explore who Tony is to see if he does or does not fit the job in a very standardized way.
0: So what you're saying there is that a person would actually – Take a test, uh, some type of an assessment, and then certain type of analytics or reporting is then given back to the organization that they can use to complete the interview process rather than waiting to the very, very end. It's kind of used in the middle. That's what it, it sounds like you said there.
1: Yeah, that could be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can certainly um, leverage an assessment on the front end. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that around client strategies and how to implement. But, yes, you're absolutely right. You can leverage assessment and it will give you better information. if you. you...
0: Yeah, perfect. Um, you also touched on – you mentioned competency models and I'm very familiar with competency models. Uh, we use those when we're looking at um, designing the type of questions and behavioral questions that we want to ask uh, the different candidates that we're interviewing based on the, the function that they're in. So different uh, questions for an accountant versus different questions for a salesperson. And those are all based on these competency models. So Perhaps you could give us a, tell us maybe a little bit more about competency models. You know what those what those are, and if those are technically considered an assessment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll go in reverse order. Um, competency models are not really an assessment at all. Um, it, it's a it's a way to bring assessment results to life. Is the way I would think about it. So competency models have been around for quite some time. Uh, just for a little bit of background, this may be a little bit more information than your audience would want, but the uh, a job analysis is always recommended. So before you launch an assessment, it's important to understand the job. And historically, one of the problems with job analysis is as soon as you complete it, it can be obsolete because jobs change. And it's really unreasonable to redo a job analysis every single time a job changes. So um, what has uh, come into existence a lot of organizations use now that are more stable is this concept called a competency model. And the idea is that the competency models are more stable. They could be more forward-looking, more strategic, if you will. And it will identify six to nine competencies that any given job should cover. And the reason assessments are very helpful is that assessments can actually be used to score competencies, so let's say that you know, your organization has six competencies, and maybe you have interview questions that you can ask about. What you can do is do a mapping, for lack of a better word. You can have an assessment, and an IO psychologist can map, if you will, the dimensions that are covered in the assessment to the competency model. And that's really important because you end up scoring the competencies through the assessment. And then that way that can give you additional information on whether or not somebody's able to do the job.
0: Well, maybe you give us some example of some common competencies.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and every consulting company will have their I can't say every that's every company, that's an overstatement, but a lot of organizations have invested in their own competency library. Think of competencies as broad abilities. So it's it's a way to combine knowledge and skill to produce an ability or a competency. And a competency might be strategic thinking, uh, business acumen, sociability, teamwork, things like that. So it's it's these broad domains that explain how people are going to interact and work while they're at work. And so, for example, just to put a face on this, let's say you're interviewing somebody and your company has, let's say, strategic thinking. You could develop some interview questions that ask the candidate, tell me about a time when you had to st- uh, think strategically about a problem. What did you do? How did you approach it? And you could interview somebody around strategic thinking. The advantage of assessments, we know which traits roll into strategic thinking. People that tend to be more reflective. Reflective is a personality trait, for example. People that are more reflective think about the long-term consequences of their decisions. So if you happen to choose an assessment that has reflection in there, then you could use that as a way to score that competency. So at the end of the hiring process, not only do you have strategic thinking scored from the interview, you also have strategic thinking scored from the assessment. And what you can do is find five or six dimensions in the assessment that roll up to that strategic thinking competency that will give you a, give you some insight on the candidate and whether or not they can do it in addition to the interview.
0: Are there ways to misuse uh, these assessments?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is why I would recommend working with a you know, reputable IO, uh, industrial organizational psychology company, because they will know their assessments. We will know the assessments in the industry inside and out. And because we have the expertise in assessments, uh, we are not necessarily experts on your model, but we can learn your model very quickly and make some recommendations on a mapping. Of course, you know, when that mapping is completed, we would socialize it internally. We wouldn't do it in a vacuum. But by leveraging somebody that knows assessments, you can get a much tighter mapping. And and therefore, when your competencies are scored, you're going to get a much better sense of whether or not that candidate has potential. So it really is back to the big five. It's a legal issue. Um, you would want to make sure that you're working with somebody that can complete that mapping and then has the expertise to stand behind it.
0: Yeah, because I would imagine if you just try to piece this together based on what you're hearing, you might misread some of the information or you might find that what you've done is not validated, which we'll get into that later. So it's great to learn about these things, but if you really want to implement them, you need to do it in a Kind of a thorough, almost kind of a scientific way. So it's kind of buttoned up, so to speak. Yeah,
1: yeah, Tony, you're you're absolutely right. Process is key, and by working with a reputable consulting company, they will have done this process hundreds, if not thousands, of times. So if you, if one of your users, uh, perhaps if there's an HR professional, if they're wrestling with how to best do this. At a minimum, I'd recommend a phone call to somebody just to at least understand the process to figure out if that's something you could put in your budget and you know maybe allocate some funds for
0: stephen that is a uh, a great overview. I knew you were the right person um with your expertise in this field.
1: Oh yeah, thank you yeah i um I sometimes joke with my friends <laughs> I tell them I'm an inch wide and a mile deep um, I spent you know twenty years. <laughs> Just um, really in, in assessments. Um, I've helped organizations with assessments for hiring and then post hire, coaching and development, talent development, things like that. So, yeah, it's great to be able to spend some time with you. And I, yeah, like I said, I really enjoy this topic.
0: Listen, it's been a great overview. Stay tuned for part two.